Good morning, Destiny family. It's going to be a good morning. Are you guys ready for what God has in store today? I really believe God is up to something big. And I know it's a holiday weekend, and I don't want to just rush by that. I want to take just a moment. Uh, Memorial weekend, and let's, let's realize we're all celebrating, excited for Memorial weekend, but the truth of it is the reason we can celebrate is because of the young men and women who have laid down their life for the freedoms that we have and enjoy in this country today. So we honor them uh, for their sacrifice for us to be able to be here and worship and have the freedom to come together and worship. How many of you are excited that we can come together and worship? Amen. I'm so glad that we can come together and worship and begin to really press in. You guys can go ahead and take your seats and let's press in a little bit today. I want to jump right into the message uh, because I believe God has a great word for us today and I am very excited uh, for what God is doing in the church. I know we've had so many things going on. Uh, we've been separated for so long with quarantine stuff going on. We're able to be back our third week back. So good to see faces in the room and people gathering together in community. How many of you realize it's vital that we keep the community of God connected even when we're not able to come and be a part of a service in a building. And that's why I love our, I know our online community. We've got a lot of people that are on uh, who aren't quite comfortable or ready to get back out in service. We're glad to have you guys jumping on with us because here's the thing. We may not all be in the same building together, but we can all still be connected and be a part of the family of God and still accomplish the call that God's put on our life. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me. I'm going to jump right into the message today. If you're taking notes, the notes, uh, not the notes, the title today is Prepared in Secret. So I want to talk about one of my favorite people in the Bible to talk about, and that is David. When, you, when I say David, what do you think of often? Goliath, right? It, anytime, what do, you, what do you think of David? It's either Goliath or Bathsheba, right? I mean, those are typically the two places we go, let's be honest. Uh, and there's so much more to David's life than that, although I am talking about Goliath, so uh, we'll jump right into that, sort of, but I'm talking about a totally different angle. Um, so I'm going to be in 1 Samuel 17, and let's look at verses 1 through 37. Uh, and I think it's really important when we read our Bible that we pay attention to the details. If God wanted it in there, there's a reason it's there right? Uh, and I found this uh, when I was reading, and I, I don't know how many times I've read this and just skipped right over it, and then one day it just, you ever read the Bible and it kind of slaps you in the face, and it's like, oh, like, I've never, like, I've never seen that. And today was one of those kind of days for me, uh, or what I'm talking about today is one of those. So verse 1 says, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war, and they assembled at Soka in Judah. Where did they assemble? Judah. Now, I want to pause for a moment because we're talking about David, right? A shepherd boy, not from royalty, just simply a shepherd boy who rose to notoriety because of his fight against Goliath, ultimately would become king, right? David, a shepherd boy, this little dude who was anointed to be king. Now, I find it really interesting when David was anointed to be king, it was kind of done in secret. You guys remember that? He shows up and he's like, okay, 
nope, this isn't the son, this isn't the son. Do you have anybody else? And they wait for David to arrive, and he says, no, this is him, and he anoints him to be king. But they had to do it kind of in secret because there was already a king. See, I want to make a note of that because David was anointed to rule a kingdom, not just win a battle. And often when we talk about David, we talk about the battle that he won. And yeah, he defeated Goliath, but he later became the king of Israel who led mighty, mighty things and a ton of exploits by Israel. But verse 1 really sticks out. See, David was, anybody know where David was from? Judah. See, I'm going to jump right in here before we go back to some more scripture that I want you guys to look at this morning. But David was from Judah. So he wasn't just fighting a battle. He was fighting a battle not only over his homeland, but he was fighting a battle over his promise because he was promised to be king. He was from Judah. If Judah would have been conquered by the Philistines, he not only would have lost his ability to have a home and to live free, he would have lost his ability to be king because he would now be a slave. David's fight that day was far more than simply a battle that he needed to win at that moment to gain notoriety. It was a battle for the promise that God had put on his life. See, and I think it's really important that we catch that. Let's jump forward to verse 26. It says, David asked the men standing near, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? That he would defy the armies of a living God. Now, I want to pause and look at something here. David shows up. Now, he wasn't old enough to be in the battle. He was a little, I mean, he was young. We're talking a young teenager who shows up bringing food to his brothers. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm paraphrasing that whole portion I script, skipped over there, but so that we get the context here. He shows up on the battlefront bringing food to his brothers, and he hears a Philistine taunting the armies of Israel. This isn't part of my notes. Here's a freebie for you this morning. Anybody ever feel unqualified to do what God's called you to do? I want you to think for just a minute. What is one of the first things we think of when we talk about David? We think about him defeating Goliath. Goliath stood intimidating armies of trained warriors. He intimidated the professionals. He intimidated the experts. They stood there and they watched and they were afraid. And then this kid shows up out of nowhere. Who is this punk? We can't just let this go. Who is this guy? Do you realize that's what's going on? And they're like, yeah, go back home, David. Like, you don't understand. These are, these are man things. You're a little kid. Go home. And David won't take no for an answer. He keeps going. He goes to King Saul, and he says to Saul, verse 32, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, for your servant will go and fight him. I love that David just shows up, and he's got so much courage in him. He's like, hey, I know these guys are warriors. I know they have fought 
battle after battle. I know these guys have seen things, and they're afraid. Tell them not to worry. I got this. <laughs> like, the courage that he has here, and I want to point something out, because his courage isn't in himself. Because we go on in verse 34, says this, David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he says, and when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns at me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lion and bears, and I will do it again to a Philistine, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. I, I love this because it sounds like he's talking about how great he is, but here's the important part. The Lord who rescued me from the claw of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. See, his confidence wasn't in his ability. His confidence was in God's ability, but he understood what he was capable of because of God's ability. See, I think we need to take a step back, and often when we think, God, I'm not qualified for this. Yeah, that's fine. You don't have to be. He's qualified. We simply need to be confident in what we're capable of because he's qualified. It's not about me being the smartest. In fact, if you look at the disciples, it says that people were in amazement because they were uneducated, unlearned men. Yet they brought such wisdom in the things that they were saying. It's not about your ability. It's about your confidence in God's ability through you. And David shows up here, and I love this because what does he go back to? He's like, you know, back in the field, I fought lions and bears, and I can do that to a Philistine. Now, I would bet David didn't start out fighting lions and bears, just a guess. I bet he started out when a fox would come. He'd pull out that sling, and I bet he just... Run it off, keep it away, until something bigger came along and he became more confident to begin to fight the lion and the bear. See, later we hear how David tries Saul's armor and he says, you know, this doesn't fit. I need to go to what I know. And he goes to what? A sling. He went back to what he was confident with. He went back to what he had been practiced with. He went back to the thing he knew the best. I need you guys to hear this. Because I know this is something I've got to reflect on in my own life often. It's not that I'm able to accomplish what's in front of me. It's that I know God's able to accomplish what's in front of me when I go back to what I know. And what I know isn't always that my ability is enough, but what I know is that my God is enough. See, we've got to be able to go back to what we know. And what David did was he went back to what he knew. I need my sling, and I don't care what giant is in front of me because I know what my God did in the field. See, the habits you form today will determine the outcomes of the battles you fight tomorrow. I want you to think about that for a moment. The habits you form today will determine the outcome of the battles you fight tomorrow. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Chris? I mean, if you pray and you read your Bible and you press in to who God is today, tomorrow you'll have a stronger confidence in that. Let me make it really practical. Anybody ever felt kind of depressed or upset so you're like, I'm just not feeling it today. I don't really want to be around people. I'm going to remove myself from people because I just feel kind of depressed today. 
And then tomorrow you wake up and it's, you know, I feel depressed today. And not only am I depressed, I'm depressed and I'm alone. The decision to withdraw then made that battle even stronger the next day. The decisions you make today, the habits you form today determine the outcomes of the battles you'll fight tomorrow. And I'm telling you, when you train today, you'll be better equipped to fight tomorrow. Here's the beauty of it. God's bigger than you, so if you failed it today, he's big enough to help you tomorrow. Okay, let's not get sidetracked, but what we do need to understand is this. God wants more from you and more for you than to simply make it through life hanging on a prayer of God, help me survive this moment. He wants to do something and establish something in you where we're able to go back to the confidence we have in Jesus Christ because we know who he is and what he's done in our life. And I know what I'm facing today may be something nobody has faced in the last hundred years. I know there may not be a time in anyone's lifetime in this room where we've had a global pandemic and shut down the world, but God's big enough to face whatever we're facing. Well, but, I, Pastor Chris, but I think it's all about, eh, stop. I don't care what camp you're in. I don't care if it's all about a global pandemic. I don't care if it's all about a government conspiracy. It doesn't matter. God's big enough to cover both sides. Whatever you're facing, God's big enough to cover. I don't care. Your opinion of that situation does not change God's sovereignty in that situation. But what we need to be able to do is revert back to what we know of the truth of God and where he's proven himself time and time again. See, I think the biggest takeaway that I've got from this time of quarantine and separation is this. God often uses times of separation I'm sorry, God often uses places of separation as times of preparation. See, you weren't now, track me, you weren't designed to be isolated, you were created for community. Are you with me? But anybody ever have something major that you're about to face in life and you're like, I just need to prepare for this? What do you do? You remove yourself. You separate yourself. When I was going to prepare for this message, I had to tell my wife and my kids, hey, I need to go prepare. I need to separate so that I could prepare for what God wanted me to bring today. Are you with me? How many times have you ever been facing something in your life? You're like, I just need to go spend some time and pray. What are you doing? You're separating yourself so that God can prepare you so that you can come back to face what's in front of you. We've got to understand God will use the times of separation as places of preparation if we allow him to. We just can't be comfortable, separated, and we allow ourselves to isolate because then we have a whole different problem. See, preparation is for the purpose of coming back together. Right now, we're in a place of coming back together. The church is being able to come back together and meet face-to-face. -face. You need community. You need to be connected. But those are two different things. We've all stayed connected throughout this, right? I know I am at a church that can be connected because we've got people even right now that are prepared online. In a moment, we're going to go into a place of worship, and they're ready to pray. So you can still stay connected to the body of Christ and what God's wanting to do in you and through you, right? We're connected. 
I can get in on, uh, get online and I'm watching. Some of you watching right now, you're connected to the service. But connected and community are two different things. Because I can be connected, but being able to have community is where that relationship comes together. And it's more than simply a conversation. It's when you show up for each other. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say let's have a house party and rally everybody together for community. What I'm saying is there is a community that comes together that serves a purpose bigger than simply watching online. Than simply saying, you know what, I'm family, I send them a text every once in a while. How many of you have family that's not blood? Why? Because you have community with them and they became family. Here's the thing that I've discovered. The phone call I can make in the middle of the night when everything is going wrong is to family. Whether it's blood or not, it's family. And those are the people who will be there for me in my darkest hour when I need it. Those are the people I have community with. Why? Because I live my life with them. That's why we push community groups so much. People you can be open, honest, and have a real conversation more so than just sit back and get fed and invested in. There's got to be a two-way exchange. That's where community comes in and takes place. Now, there's something that I want to really dive into here because that all sounds good. And I think we often stop there. But David wasn't being prepared for a battle when he was in the field. He was being prepared for a palace. See, there was a kingdom that he was created for. There was a kingdom that he was created to be the king over, right? That was his anointing was to be king. His anointing wasn't to live in the palace. His anointing was to be king, right? But his place of fame got him interest to the palace. See, I wanted, I wanted to be really careful because this is the place where we begin to isolate ourselves often. And it's the place where we begin to see victory in our life. And then we sit back and like, okay, well, you need to overcome this so you can be in the palace with me. This is where people often find themselves being, when people say people in the church are judgmental, right? Well, I overcame that. You can overcome it. See, we've got to be careful because you're not created. Our assignment isn't to make it and arrive. Our assign, assignment is to stay in the battle. See, David, in order to become king, had to leave the palace and go to the cave. Are you with me? He actually had to go back to a place where he was separated again in order for God to surround him with the people that he needed to become king. Now catch this, because I found this really interesting. First Samuel 21, verse 8 and 9. Now David asked Amimelech, do you have a spear or a sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. I love the response. Verse 9, I only have the sword of Goliath the Philistine who you killed in the valley of Allah. The priest replied, and it is wrapped in a cloth at the, uh, behind the ephod. Take it if you want it. There is nothing else here. I want to pause. When David had to fight Goliath, what did he go back to? What he knew from the field, the victory from the field. What did he say? Talking to, when he was standing there in front of King Saul, I've got this Goliath because what God delivered me from in the field. God's delivered me from the bear. He's delivered me from the lion. So I know that I can fight Goliath. 
See, we've got to understand the victories in your life aren't for us just to sit back and say, all right, I've arrived, I've made it. Your victory in your life is for you to take that and move to the next place and the next stage to empower other people. When David got to the cave, God began to bring people to him. They were the down and out. They were the disqualified. They were the ones no one thought were worthy. And what did he do? He rallied them together and created a great force, a great army out of them. Not because David was just so spectacular, but because God had a plan. And I love that when David had to run to a new battle, the only thing that was left was what he had received from the victory he had already had. What did he go back to? The victory. Even if it wasn't his on purpose, what was the one thing he had to cling to? The victory over Goliath. I'm telling you this morning, we've got to understand when we find our place, ourselves in places of frustration, we've got to go back to the victories that God has brought us through. That's why I am so hard and I preach so much on keeping a journal, keeping something where you can write down what God has done in your life because it will help you in times where you feel like you don't hear God, you don't see God. And let me tell you something right now. When we feel like we can't see God moving or we can't see God's hand, we've got to learn to trust God's heart because there's more at stake than what you may be able to see, and we've got to be able to go back and do that. I've got my journal here. I carry it all the time, and I write down stuff when God's speaking to me. I write in services. I don't just sit and take notes of everything. If there's something that stands out, I write it in this journal, and it has helped me. I want to be really clear. This journal isn't what saves me. It's the contents. Anybody ever tried to go somewhere that you haven't been in a long time and you have a hard time remembering the directions? Your journal's your map. Where did God tell you to go? What did God tell you to do? I'm just telling you, it's helped me so many times in my life. I remember when I got engaged. I was sitting on my couch talking to Jana right before we were married, and she was gonna, she was finishing school to be a special ed teacher, and she looked at me, and we were talking about what our life was going to be like, and she stopped me, and she said, you know, I need you just to understand something. I've got my own giftings and callings, and I'm not going to be a typical pastor's wife, whatever that is, because this is what I'm called to, and it's going to look different. I just need to know, need you to know that and make sure you're okay with that before we go any farther. Me being about to be married, guy that I was, I was like, yes, yeah, fine. <laughs> It'll be all right. Don't worry about it. And I turned the page. I was actually going through, and what spurred this conversation is I was reading to her things that God had spoken to me about my life when I was in high school and when I was first in master's commission, and that's why she stopped and said, look, you need to understand. I, I understand that's the call that's on you, but I have a call that's here too, and we've got to figure out how to make those work together. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. And I turned the page, and at the top of the page, dated two years before I even met Jana, I wrote, God spoke to me about my wife this morning. She's going to have her own giftings, talents, and anointings and will not be a typical pastor's wife. I literally wrote word for word what she had just told me. 
all my married people in the room, how many of you know three, four, five years down the road where you're like, what in the world, God, did you get me into? Generally because of yourself, but hey, I can go back. It doesn't matter what we face. I can go back. You're like, no, I know this is where God's called me to be. Why? Because I have a word over what my wife was, and that word was confirmed before we got married. So it doesn't matter what we face, because I can go back to what I know to overcome whatever it is that I'm walking through. Can, can we be honest in this place this morning? It's okay if you're struggling in whatever you're struggling with. If your struggle is still a struggle, you're not defeated. Some of you need to hear me this morning. If you're struggling in your marriage, your struggle is still a struggle. You're not defeated yet. If you're struggling with depression, if your struggle is still a struggle, you're not defeated yet. Go back to the place where you know the confidence of the God you serve. And he'll help you walk out this battle too. And then here's the important part. It's where community comes in. When you've overcome, you don't step up on a pedestal and say, I've arrived. This is the marriage you need to have. This is the confidence you need to have. This is the prayer life you need to have. You step up and you say, hey, to a new believer who comes in or the person you see struggling with the area that you struggled with in your life, it's not like, yeah, you need to be like me. You step up and say, hey, listen, here's how God got me here. Here's what I walked through. Can I help you walk this out? See, I love that David didn't stay in the palace to become king. He had to go to a cave. He had to go to a place where he felt abandoned and alone and was surrounded by the people who later would serve with him in the palace. I love, this is a freebie as I begin to close here. But David gets back in the palace And his mighty men, we read about them, and it says he appointed them as chief officers. They were men who were with him in the cave that then became heads of the army. They, they weren't already there. These were people who had been proven in battle with him. See, the people God's surrounding you with now aren't your placeholders until you arrive. They're the people that are going to help you get there. The community that God's called you to aren't just so that you can one day make it in your own life. It's so that we can make it together and build the kingdom that God's called us to. How do I know I'm at a church that's more concerned about building the kingdom than it is about arriving? Because we're willing to do whatever it takes to see that we all get there together. See, I remember when I first went into ministry. And I was part-time in ministry, and I was full-time working in a warehouse, and I hated every minute of it. And I prayed, and I was like, God, you've got to help me, because this is horrible. And I moved from place to place to place, and it positioned me to know all these different things about a warehouse. So that later, I landed in this church. Was it eight years ago? And the tornado happened and more, and I ended up in a room where we, had a, as a staff, said, you know, hey, this horrible tornado came through more. Let's try to set up maybe a clothes drop or something one or two days a week because this was all being built. And we're going to, you know, one or two days a week, we'll try to open up, maybe do clothes, maybe some food donations. And it opened up for me to land in a meeting. And how I know we are at a church 
that's more concerned about what God wants to do in the community than making sure we arrive is because we've got a pastor who I was able to call in the middle of the night and say, hey, I know we were going to open up the doors for a couple days a week for clothes, but I just committed us to shutting down construction of our entire building, and we're going to become a warehouse for semis coming in for the next, I don't know. I'm still here. I didn't get fired, so that says a lot for our pastor's heart, right? But that says a lot about our heart for community, and that wasn't just before a pandemic hit. Now we've got to be make sure that we have a good face. No, we've got to make sure that we're helping the world that God's called us to. In fact, June 3rd, we're going to have another semi show up right here, and we're going to be giving out food, or one box of fresh produce, another box of dairy, and we'll be doing it on June 3rd, handing out right here at these doors from this room, helping serve our community in a time where unemployment is the highest it's ever been since the Great Depression. How many of you guys think it's time for the church to show up and say we're about community? Let me be clear. We're going to show up and we're going to use wisdom. That doesn't mean we're going to pack this place full of people and we're going to forget every guideline that's put out there. No, we are going to serve our community and we're also going to honor our government and what they've asked of us at the same time. We're going to do it in a way that is respectful and honoring so that we can be proud of what God's doing through our church. Are you with me? See, it's really important that we understand God's called us to something bigger as the band begins to come back up. We can let fear grip us, and we can get so concerned about if we're going to make it, if I'm going to be there. But what you need to understand is God's been preparing you in secret for what he wants to do in you in public for much longer than you realize. See, I talked about when we were able to do this stuff for the more tornado, and here's the thing about that tornado. I walked out of that room and said, hey, we're going to stop this. And thank God he kept me where I didn't want to be long enough for me to figure out how to schedule truck drop off, how to lay out all of the things that I learned in there. And I walked into this very room and I mapped out with a piece of chalk bays for us to begin to put pallets and where the forklifts would go and all this stuff. But I need you to hear me because that wasn't how great I am because God, what God walked me through. It was one piece of a puzzle because there was another guy named Jason Baffrey whose job was going to be taken out, who was going to come and run that while everything was going on. It was another guy named Jeff Henderson whose job was going to create the openings for us to have forklifts and pallet jacks and everything to get that done. It was another girl who worked at AT&T who said, hey, guess what? I can get you guys phones so that you can switch out and we have one number for people to get services and things they need anytime they want. And AT&T provided six or eight different phone lines for us to have cell phones free of charge to serve our community. I did nothing but play a part in what took literally hundreds of people's parts for us to accomplish. See, we often look at whoever's on stage and holding the microphone, and we begin to tell our story, and we're like, man, if I could just do something like that. I'm just telling my story. In fact, Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The reason I'm telling my story is to help you be inspired to tell yours. 
And when we tell other people about the saving grace of Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives, it helps them overcome whatever they're facing in theirs. See, we've got to come to a place where we never arrive. We simply have already beaten that battle. So let me help you understand how to win this war. We're not building ourselves; we're building a kingdom. And that requires us to build it together. And often we sit back and, well, but I don't want to talk about all the things that I've walked through. You need to hear me today. Somebody needs to hear it. I've battled with depression for years. Somebody needs to hear that. I've battled with alcoholism for years. Somebody needs to hear that. Why? Because you walked free from it and they're not. We've got this misconcept that we show up and lives are perfect because we have Jesus. No. Thank God we have Jesus and we're not in a way worse place than we're at. Let's be honest. Our families aren't perfect. We don't float when we take a bath. Everything's not handed to us. We still get laid off. We still have bills to pay. Things still happen because we live in a fallen world. But instead of me trying to figure it out on my own, I have a Savior to help walk me through in a community of believers to help me with things that I may not know how to overcome myself. So here's what I want to ask as we conclude. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here today, or if we are with us online, and you say, right now I'm in the middle of the fight of my life, and I need God in the middle of of this fight. I need him to show up. I need to cling to him to know that that's where my victory comes from. Whether you've got a relationship with God or today you're starting one, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I want everybody, if you're online or if you're in this room, I want you to repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life and help me to trust you in every situation that I'm going to face. God, help me to know this isn't about me, but it's about growing closer to you every single day. Amen.